Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, over however many years it takes, five years we estimate. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, then why not consider committing to go on this journey with us and maybe go right back to the beginning. It'll mean playing catch up for a while, maybe listening to more than one episode a day, what an amazing journey it will be and I really believe you'll benefit by making the choice to make the study of the Bible as part of the rhythm of your daily life. Uh, It's also well, well worth mentioning if you're new to this that there's a full transcript copyright free for you to use in whatever way you want uh, available in the episode notes section of any audio ver- version of this podcast. The main podcast itself, the audio version, which over 98% of people is how they access this teaching, is hosted on Buzzsprout. But of course, you can access this stuff through whatever platform you happen to be used, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even Amazon, or any of the podcast directories, in fact. I'm more than happy for you to use these resources to prepare your own material or just use them for your personal devotional time, whatever you feel is helpful for you. But anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining. We're going to drop into the main text of this final day, uh, visiting Genesis chapter 40, which has been looking at the story of the interpretation of the dreams in prison you know joseph's been chucked into prison and the cupbearer and the baker have had dreams and he's interpreted for them and we've been looking at it from the perspective of how to deal with discouragement so i hope you have finding it helpful and at this point we'll drop into the main study itself and i'll catch up with you at the end just to bring you up to date about a few things Okay, here we go. Okay, friends, here we are back in this dungeon of despair and discouragement with Joseph. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers physically, and now he's spiritually in a bit of a pit, trapped in prison alongside this uh, baker and this uh, butler, the cupbearer. So what we've been doing as we've been going through this part of the message these last couple of days is to just basically see this story where simply this cupbearer and the baker, they've been thrown into prison alongside Joseph and they've had dreams and Joseph has interpreted those dreams. I think it's interesting that one of them is a good dream and one of them is a bad dream. But both of these individuals have had very specific dreams and within these dreams, we find out that they would be fulfilled and in the verses we'll follow what Joseph's interpretations of those dreams are and if in fact they are correct. So we've had two dreams and two interpretations. So what happens next? Well let's close off the final few verses of this chapter which says, Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials and he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. 
But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to him in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Okay, that's the close of this part of the story of the life of Joseph. And this part of this story is pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It's Pharaoh's birthday, and it apparently that inspires him to throw a feast. And where there's a feast, he's going to need to make use of his chief baker and his cupbearer again, of course. So he raises them up, it describes it here. He brings them both before him, but the poor baker is killed, but the cupbearer, he gets restored to his old job. So just like Joseph predicted. So here we have the cupbearer back in his old job of handling the cup before it is handed into Pharaoh's hands. But the poor baker, well, Pharaoh must have decided that he was the one behind this original problem that they had that had caused them both to be thrown into jail. However, the point for us to notice is that Joseph has interpreted these two dreams exactly right. And this chapter ends with the cupbearer not being grateful to Joseph, not remembering him, but forgetting to put in the good word for Joseph like he promised. Forget. Why did he forget? Well, we don't really know. The text doesn't say exactly. It's possible that he was just something like he initially maybe put off and then forgot. Or maybe he didn't want to upset the king. He was just thankful to be back in his position and didn't want to remind him of the fact that in the past, Pharaoh had had a reason to throw him into jail. Maybe that's what's going on. Or maybe he was just a very selfish character that meant he didn't care once things had worked out for him. At any rate, it doesn't really tell us, but it does tell us he didn't tell Pharaoh what happened. Now, I couldn't help read this chapter and think about the emotional battle that Joseph must have been fighting through these circumstances. Put yourself in his shoes, especially in verse 23, where there seemed a degree of hope. And then they forget about him, or he forgets about him. The cupbearer forgets about him. Joseph must have been feeling alone and forgotten. I have heard accounts of stories, some first-hand, where people have attempted to take their own lives. They've attempted suicide because, as they described it, I quote, I just felt nobody cared about me. I'm going to suggest that at some level, thoughts like this must have been going through Joseph's mind, at least to some degree. It would have been natural for him to have been discouraged in this situation, and natural for him maybe to even reach a point where he thought, you know, there's little hope here. They both had got out. The cupbearer is now back serving the king, and he, Joseph, is still stuck in prison with nothing. So I think it's fairly safe to assume that he had got discouraged. Now let me make some suggestions to sum this passage up by saying that when Pharaoh's butler and the baker were put in prison, they had disturbing dreams and Joseph had interpreted those dreams and he'd interpreted them to mean the cupbearer would be restored back to his position, but the baker would be executed. But he asks the cupbearer to remember him, but that hasn't happened. The cupbearer is forgotten. So that's the summary of the brief facts of the events that have occurred here, which of course mean Joseph, at this point, remains stuck in the dungeon. Now the approach I'm taking to this chapter particularly 
is one, and I could have chosen different approaches, but this is one that I hope will help people who feel they're in a bit of a spiritual dungeon. When people get really discouraged, that's the way they feel. They feel alone, forgotten. A popular expression to describe the state of mind is to say, we're in a bit of a pit. Maybe you've been there. I talk to people all the time that feel that way. So let me make a couple of suggestions that I believe we can extrapolate out of this passage. Ideas that are based on the passage and ideas and things that we can see that I believe might help us if we're being drawn into that frame of mind. There are other suggestions I could make. And in fact, there are other really helpful passages in the Bible that I believe can help deal with discouragement. But I do believe that within this chapter, there are two things that we can directly lift out from this passage. One is, when you're in the dungeon of discouragement, when you're feeling you're in the pit, use whatever gifts and opportunities you have to serve others. Don't just sit there and soak in your own sorrows. Do something. It's very important that the faithful do whatever it is that you have been gifted to do and to continue doing it to the glory of God. Now, if you're not in work and you really feel that you need or should have a job, then your full-time job should be looking for a job. That's your job now. What I, I like about what I see here is it's saying to us, don't just sit there in your sadness. Do something Use the gifts that God has given you. Now, if you can't do that through your work, then find ways of doing it by supporting other people. Maybe even consider volunteering until you can find gainful employment. Now, please, friends, don't think I'm saying this from some political perspective. I'm purely approaching this from a spiritual and a mental health perspective. Furthermore, the other thing we can draw out of it is that any difficulties we may be going through, I believe the Bible says that we can try and count on them as an opportunity to learn something more about God and learn something more about ourselves. Now, I know this isn't an easy thing to do, particularly when you feel trapped in a negative cycle, but it's really, really important that you try your best to take this approach. The book of James in the New Testament tells us that pure and powerful religion before God the Father is that you visit orphans and widows in their problems. Using widows and orphans, obviously, the obvious example of people who are in need. So, so it's not the, the just widows and orphans. It's people who are most vulnerable in society. Anybody who's struggling, in fact. Now, I've always found this fascinating and very helpful in my own life, certainly, and I've seen it being helpful in the lives of other people, that when you're in trouble, if you just go help other people, go find someone and help support them, then things really start to feel better for you. Don't just sit there, do something, I believe this passage is telling us. And that's what Joseph does here. And he ends up being of service to these two guys in prison. Now, granted, he gives good news to one and bad news to the others, but this was his gifting and this was his opportunity to use it, so he did. And he did that even whilst he was in prison. That's what I've got out of the story. He could have become very, very sad, more and more bitter, 
maybe even what we would today call depressed. But what he did is he did what he could do in that situation. Now I've given this advice to other people and they've come back and tell me that things have really improved for them. Not necessarily in their personal circumstances that they're facing, but certainly in their attitude to everything and their attitude to life in general. I remember one outstanding case which particularly sticks in my mind when a guy I knew had got to a situation where he had got so discouraged he told me that he had once been on the verge of suicide. But I also remember him telling me that a woman came to him and said, right now, today, go and do something that helps somebody else and do it today. And he said he did that He dragged himself up and he went out and he did something and he said that really helped and it really helped immediately. He stopped dwelling on himself and instead focused on the immediate moment of helping someone else on their immediate needs and helping them feel a bit better about their circumstances, practically alleviating the circumstances that they were trapped in. And he said he immediately began to feel better about himself. So that's my suggestion, friends. Do something. Use whatever opportunities you have, whatever giftings you have, whatever opportunities are presented to you to go and help someone else. And if what you're going through is difficult, if it's even a negative thing, then go and find someone else who may be going through a similar sort of thing or even the same thing and try to encourage them and share your experience with them. The Bible teaches that before God can trust us with positions of great responsibility, God desires to use our capabilities and for us to demonstrate unwavering faith in the midst of discouraging situations. Those who faithfully use the abilities that God has given them, even in discouraging circumstances, will be given more and more opportunities to serve. God will give you more and more opportunities to serve and use your gifting in service of him. So when you are discouraged, don't just sit there, do something. And particularly, whatever gifts that you have been given and whatever opportunities you have, jump in and do something, but do it and credit the Lord for your motivation in doing so. I have another suggestion. When you're in the pit, when you're in the dungeon of discouragement, I believe this passage tells us to be patient because we don't really ever know what God is doing and how God is working providentially around us. This is so important. When you're in a place when you're discouraged, you are looking at all the things that have gone wrong maybe in your life. And if you're in a place like that, then because things are going wrong, It's vitally important then, it becomes more and more important in fact to remember to stand firm on the promises of Jesus Christ. You are his child. He is working in your life. Whether you feel it at the moment or whether you recognize it or not at this exact moment in time. That's the issue, isn't it? God is still in control. God is always in control. As the New Testament tells us, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I didn't say all things were good. I said that they work together for good, right? 
So what you have to do when you're discouraged is look at the big picture. You may not know the specifics of what the future may look like, but you can know based on the person of Jesus Christ and the writings across the entire Bible that God can teach you through these circumstances and that he has good plans for you. And yet you can even know them and find them out in the midst of trauma. Most often we learn things through the difficult times of life, much more so than through the easy times. It's our natural human nature to want to live a trouble-free life, but there's really no such thing. And if there were, then we would never mature spiritually. All sunshine only makes a desert. We have to have a little rain in our lives to create something out of it. Someone has said the significance of this chapter lies in the fact that Joseph discovered his God-given ability to interpret dreams. And Joseph used this gift on this occasion, and it was a way of preparing that gifting, preparing the way for him later to be called by Pharaoh to interpret dreams, two years later in fact. And it was a gift that when he expressed before Pharaoh would exalt him into a high place in the Egyptian government. Joseph is revealed here to have a gifting from the Lord. He has others, many giftings in fact, and we will see God use these as we continue to work through his story here in Genesis. His God-given giftings will put him in the place where he is in charge of the entire food supply for this whole country and in charge of it during a vital time of famine. God had a purpose for allowing Joseph to be put in prison, as we shall see as we go through the rest of his story. So I'm just saying to you, if you're feeling a bit in the pits at the moment, don't be discouraged, be patient. You may not know what God is doing in your life right now. He may do something in the future dramatic for you, but you have no way of knowing at this point what that will be. Now, maybe you're a young person who feels that you've committed your heart to the Lord and that you have no real role within the church. I really believe that the church is missing an opportunity and it's a disservice, particularly to younger men, that they're not enabling and equipping them to serve. But maybe you're sitting there, stuck in a position where you feel, I have giftings, I can serve, I should be promoted to positions of leadership in the Lord's work, especially if you feel that you have particular spiritual gifts. On the other hand, some churches put people into positions of leadership almost as soon as they become a witnessing Christian, and they begin to acquire even just the rudimentary knowledge of the Bible. People can tend to become impatient with this regard, and younger people can sometimes regard, well, as irrelevant, the attitudes and programs of the Christian churches and the training and the institutionalizing approach that could be taken. Well, if you feel that way, I really understand it. And I went through a period like that myself for many years when I felt underutilized in my gifting. But if you feel that way today, then I suggest you do two things. Do what you can, express your gifting when and where you can and as the opportunities present themselves, but wait on the Lord to show you his purpose in that situation before stepping in. Got it? 
Let me conclude today by quoting someone who I think really put the finger on the pulse of what is being said here. He said, Trials may be viewed from two perspectives, and it will make all the difference in your spiritual life which of the two points of view we take. From the human side here, Joseph's suffering was due to injustice on the part of Potiphar and ingratitude on the part of the cupbearer. But from the divine side, these years were permitted for the purpose of training and preparing Joseph for the much greater work that lay ahead before him. If only we can look at the human side of the trials we face. If we only do that, we will become discouraged. It may even irritate us, anger us, and it can in fact lead us into a depression, a deep depression. But if we look at our circumstances from the divine side, we shall see God in everything, and we can even see that all things are working together for good. So you have a choice. You can take the human perspective or the divine perspective. And which you take will determine how quick you get out of any current discouraged state of mind and how quickly you get into a positive state of mind and the purposes of God. It's really your choice which perspective you take. I pray that you take the divine perspective. Okay, friends, that's it for today. I'd like to remind you that you have the ability to access lots more teachings, uh, as well as some long-form Bible studies, alongside some discipleship courses that I'm putting all of those resources on my Patreon website starting in September. So if you've ever thought about nurturing any of these giftings that you feel that you have and we've been talking about today, the first discipleship course I'm putting on is one that will help you help people prepare expository preaching uh, messages. It's also the place where I put talks that I do when I've been asked to, to as a guest at a church or even to speak in a secular environment. All of that is available through my Patreon website. By becoming a patron and partnering with, with this work, you're enabling it not only to go on the internet for free, but to stay on the internet for free. I'd also like to say I'm particularly thankful for each and every one of you who have committed to pray for this ministry because this ministry really needs your prayer. Pray that I might have the, the time and the good health of myself and those around me to continue to prepare and, and put on the internet 20-25 minutes of teaching every day. And if you're benefiting from this and feel you're benefiting from it, then share, why not share it with others? I believe that a review or a like or a share quite simply makes this teaching material, free teaching material, available more widely and it is much more likely to be seen on the internet. And why not subscribe to it to ensure that you don't miss a single episode and you could complete this amazing five-year journey together through the whole Bible. But anyway, that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together as we work through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I hope you can join me back here tomorrow. Well, it's tomorrow for me, whatever day it happens to be for you, in the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.